Hello and welcome to the Hormones in Harmony podcast. I'm your host, Vivian Allred, naturopathic nutritional therapist and hormone enthusiast. If you want to learn how to rebalance your female hormones, regulate your menstrual cycle and reclaim your vitality, then you are in the right place. Each week I will be delving into different conditions such as PCOS, endometriosis, infertility, hypothyroidism, acne and hair loss. Stay tuned for interviews with expert guests, Q&As and solo episodes that are all intended to help you move from hormonal chaos to hormonal harmony. If you'd like to submit a question for me to answer on the podcast, then you can email them to hormonesinharmony at gmail.com. The information shared on this podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not designed to replace the advice of your health practitioner. That said, let's get into today's episode. Hi, today we're talking about the importance of sleep and how improper breathing may be driving symptoms like fatigue and hormonal imbalances. I'm joined by Dr. Michael Gelb, who is a world-renowned TMJ and sleep specialist with practices in both New York City and White Plains. Dr. Gelb is the co-author of GASP, Airway Health, The Hidden Path to Wellness, and the co-founder of both the Foundation of Airway Health and the American Academy of Physiological Medicine and Dentistry. The Gelb Centre was founded over 30 years ago by Dr. Michael Gelb's father, Dr. Harold Gelb. Since then, Dr. Michael has taken his father's findings to the next level through his airway-centric integrative therapy. He's dedicated his life to improving his patients' health by reducing pain, restoring great refreshing sleep and transforming their lives by doing so. In this episode, we discuss what actually happens to the body during sleep, causes of poor sleep, So what causes you to wake up tired, even though you've had your eight hours, which is considered optimal. A condition that affects a lot of young, healthy women called upper airway resistance syndrome. And there's a great article which he was featured in on Elle magazine, which I'll link to in the show notes. So you can swipe up and read that as well. Really great. And it was a woman who, again, seemed like she was doing all the right things but was struggling with fatigue and anxiety and other symptoms and it was due to this condition basically she wasn't oxygenating her brain while she was sleeping and then as you move into menopause a lot of women can deal with sleep apnea due to the weight fluctuations that you might go through but also the effects of estrogen and other hormones on the airways his recommendations for tmj which is a common problem in a lot of my clients the jaw pain the jaw tension which can be due to stress, but there's some other drivers and we give some tips to help remedy that. Plus how mouth taping and other technologies can help you have the best sleep of your life. And for me having braces on at the moment, I know it's not ideal, but I wanted straight teeth. I'd had them in the past, but didn't wear my retainer um, after a while and then it didn't fit. So I know it's not the best thing. I tried to do other things to help mitigate the heavy metals and it's harder to clean them, all that stuff. But Dr. Gelb immediately pointed it out and offered me some recommendations as well for how to improve my airways, which I really appreciated. So lack of sleep, sleep deprivation, poor quality and improper breathing are common signs of invisible stress. So this is why I'm talking about it. It may not seem important, but trust me, it absolutely is. So with that said, let's get straight into the episode with Dr. Michael Gelb. So hi, Dr. Gelb. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Could you start off by telling us a bit about yourself and how you got into the world of um, dentistry? Sure. My dad was a dentist and uh, was specializing in TMJ. 
and taking courses around the country with um, osteopaths, chiropractors, nutritionists, and really got me started um, in the field and meeting his patients and hanging out in the laboratory. And I was really intrigued by what he uh, was doing and the results he was getting with his patients. And that motivated me to want to go either be an ENT, ear, nose, and throat doctor, or a dentist. And I uh, chose dentistry. And uh, it's, been, it's been a great uh, 36 years. Wow. That's a long time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm, I can tell you're so passionate about it, just with the work that you do. And I feel like more recently, there's been a lot of research coming out, especially like the oral microbiome, but also how improper breathing, sleep deprivation can be huge stresses and impacts our health in so many ways. So I want to dive into all of those subjects yes. today. That would be great. I look forward to that. And to start off with, can you touch a bit about on sleep? So why is sleep so important and what happens when we sleep physiologically? So there's a couple of things that happen when we sleep. Sleep really restores our body and restores our mind. So we get into REM sleep, we get uh, into deep sleep, stage three, deep sleep, non-REM sleep, and then we're getting proper oxygenation. And really what we're getting is we're getting synaptoblastic. We're getting new synapses formed. You know, what they call, they speak of biochemical refreshment. We really get our cells are basically formed at night. Toxins are removed from the brain. New cells are formed. And we get fatigue reversal. So we should wake up in the morning feeling refreshed. We should wake up in the morning be in a good mood. So we should have our mental state. We should be, anxiety should be going away. Depression should be going away. Um, and you know, this, so sleep really is important for me as it impacts, impacts inflammation. It impacts our heart. It impacts hormones. The whole hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis is stabilized. And so sleep really is a rebooting of the system and it's really essential I think it is the pillar of all the pillars of health, nutrition, exercise, good mental attitude, airway, breathing, and sleep is the essential pillar of health because the others really can't go on without it. Absolutely. And I'm guessing it's really problematic where you are in New York City. People don't prioritize their sleep at all. It's the city that never sleeps. Do you see that being a huge driving factor of um, health issues these days? Well, yeah, it's very hard to keep your life in balance in New York City and the big cities in the United States and all over the world. Uh, you know, the balance of the sympathetic and parasympathetic, the clenching, people are not getting, my number one complaint is I'm not getting refreshing sleep and I'm always exhausted. And then we get into the thyroid condition, we get into hormones, we get into all kinds of things, which, you know, we'll discuss today. And it's even worse in those big cities where the stress is very, very high. So let's talk first about the kind of sleep hygiene things that people should be doing. So you can't just expect to be working on your laptop, doing emails till 11, um, 11 p.m. and then going straight to sleep. So could you talk about the proper way to relax, wind down to get a good night's sleep? Sure. So just like you'd read a story to your child and wind down for half an hour, you wanna close the laptop, you wanna get rid of the blue light, get off your iPhone, get off your laptop, your iPad, and just try to uh, be in a darker room, lights down, 
temperature around, we say 68 degrees Fahrenheit, you can translate into centigrade, but really a cooler room, nice bedding, not cluttered, um, and really not a lot of cats and dogs running around and try to just make it a safe place and uh, a lot of, you know, enough humidity and just a comfortable environment where you can get sleep and not have a lot of environmental noise. What about timing as well? So people are like, oh, I get my eight, eight hours a night. I go to bed at 2 a.m., wake up at 10 a.m., I'm good. Like, what's the problem with that? Well, you want to have a right circadian rhythm. So we used to be synced in with the light dark cycles. So what we like to say is I don't like anyone eating too late. So now we have intermittent fasting. So I love when people stop eating by let's say 7 p.m. Uh, you don't want to drink too much before, not too much alcohol. You don't want to eat too late at night. You don't want to exercise too late in the evening. And so I like to I like to keep it around circadian rhythm cycles, natural light dark cycles, um, and I think that seems to work best. People that are shift workers, uh, delayed phase, you know, sleep syndromes, they, those people can have a hard time. So we like to keep it relatively within kind of normative hours, nine, ten p.m. You want to get your eight hours of sleep if you can. Not sleep too much. Not sleep too much. And people never talk about the quality of sleep. So we're, I'm a big advocate of getting the right quality sleep, not just sleep hours and not just talking about sleep deprivation, but are you getting enough oxygen? Are you getting enough deep sleep? Measuring your REM sleep, measuring your non-REM, measuring your oxygen, and really looking at fragmented sleep, making sure that you're really getting non-disturbed sleep. Yeah, let's talk a bit more about that because I bought an aura ring i don't know if you're familiar with the yeah. the brand um a couple of years ago now when they released the new technology and it was so insightful i thought i slept like a baby but then looking at my data i was waking up every two hours my rem sleep was really um, really bad and i was like what the hell but i felt pretty good but i do struggle with hormonal issues so maybe my energy was fine but it was impacting me in other ways so let's talk a bit about the starting off with the airways and the breathing could you talk about how maybe that impacts the sleep and yeah. some signs that you might be struggling with that are there any signs in the daytime that you might be struggling with yeah so i mean we look at people that are mouth breathers we look at people that you know they really can't breathe through their nose very well we, we're going to talk a little bit about nutrition and the role of that in facial development but you know as a species homo sapien today we have bigger brains, but our mid-faces tend to be pushed back. Our upper jaws push back, our upper jaws narrow, our lower jaws pushed back. And that leads us to have resisted breathing or difficulty breathing. And a lot of us are born as mouth breathers. All premature kids are born as mouth breathers. And a lot of us have become mouth breathers because of allergies and different epigenetic factors. So we don't really grow properly. So a mouth breather in general is gonna have disrupted sleep. Uh, people that cannot breathe uh, adequately will have disrupted sleep. Uh, people that are in chronic pain will have disrupted sleep. And so there's not enough attention paid to really the sleep fragmentation or those with disrupted sleep. If you go to a sleep center sometimes and you don't have apnea and you don't have a drop in oxygen, they think you're fine, but really it can, it can wreak havoc on your life to have this upper airway resistance and to have this fragmented or disturbed sleep. So 
we believe that breathing and really good nasal breathing combined with good breathing behind your tongue, keeping your mouth together and breathing through your nose at night is essential. So we've developed a lot of new techniques that have that promote nasal breathing. So I'm right that sleep apnea is just a more extreme version of this that's more recognized, but you're talking about a less, um, a less recognized version. Correct. So the sleep apnea is the one that people are hearing more and more about today, and that's when you stop breathing for 10 seconds or longer. But what if you stop breathing for seven seconds or six seconds or eight seconds? It may not be recorded as an apnea or if you just have resisted breathing that's leading to, let's say, uh, the brain waking up, sleep fragmentation. So a, a much larger percentage of the population has snoring and this upper airway resistance, which now is being classified as a hypopnea apnea. So they keep changing the scoring techniques from the sleep centers. So now it may be start to be classified again as a uh, hypopnea, as an apnea. But it's very, very, it's much more common than we ever thought, uh, this airway resistance. And could you talk about how that could impact our hormones in particular? So with this being the hormones in how many podcasts, a lot of my listeners have anxiety, fatigue, um, maybe they have fertility issues. How does lack of oxygenation to the brain, I'm guessing what does it not affect, but particularly with hormones? Well, particularly with the women and, you know, women of childbearing age, a lot, these women are basically healthy women. And so their receptors in their tongues and in their throats, they work well enough and so well that they don't get a full blown apnea. They don't get this oxygen desaturation, but what they do get because they have uh, difficulty breathing they get a disruption in deep sleep. And so what this does when they can't breathe through the nose or when the brain keeps waking up, it sensitizes the brain. And particularly the limbic system, particularly the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis. And this is a lot of the work of Avram Gold. Christian Guimanon talked about it. Avram Gold talks about it out of Stony Brook. But it's basically a sensitization of the brain. And so through the hypothalamus, the hormones like leptin and ghrelin, get thrown off, you start to make bad choices in terms of executive function skills are thrown off, the prefrontal cortex is thrown off, and so you wake up, you crave sugary foods, you crave the wrong foods, and you make a bad decision at the same time. And then you don't feel as full as you should, and you feel hungry during the day, you don't feel as satiated as you should, your leptin and your ghrelin get thrown off at the same time. and then it could affect thyroid, and thyroid also affects um, a sleep apnea and upper airway resistance syndrome. And so sleep is really a vital function, and good breathing and a good airway is really vital to reset the hormones for your patients of childbearing age. And just to recognize that there might be something there, even though the sleep study is normal, it's not really normal when you look at sleep fragmentation. You look at, and there, there has to be you have to have the right diagnostics, really, and a doctor that understands airway resistance to really pick this up. Yeah, how would you how would you determine that over something like blood sugar dropping? So, like with me looking at my data from the Aura Ring, when I see myself waking up, it's not as bad now, but seeing myself waking up every couple of hours unknowingly, how would you determine whether it's because of this upper airway resistance syndrome versus a drop in blood sugar or 
something else. Well, I think it's good that you also work with the good functional medicine doctor. So we'll work with doctors like G Gerald Simmons in Houston. He's using the PEZ receptor. He's putting a PEZ probe down into the esophagus, in the esophagus to measure this negative pressure. Most of us don't have that kind of technique. So we look at either, some people look at oxygen, high resolution pulse oximetry, which is sometimes difficult to see. And people use sleep testing, like let's say the watch pad, where we're looking at the autonomics, we're looking at the arterial tone. So sometimes we have to really intimate it. We look at people tossing and turning. We can look in some of these studies to see how the brain keeps coming up into wakefulness not to consciousness, but how the brain goes from deep to light, deep to light, deep to light. So I would combine either a dentist or a sleep physician working with a functional medicine doctor so we really can get the best of both worlds. So the dentist might not be able to opine so much on your hypoglycemia, and then we might want to change diet, we might want to increase exercise. So I think we're really looking at a more integrative functional approach where we're really working collaboratively. And that's what Dr. Hinden and I, we talk about collaboration cures. So we need a functional medicine doctor, we need a sleep doctor, we need a dentist, we need a speech language pathologist, myofunctional therapist working in collaboration. And especially when we work with children and we're doing this with young children now, not just women of childbearing age, not just women that are menopausal, but we're really doing it starting at age two and a half, two and three, we're starting with breastfeeding. I mean, we're going through the, the, the whole age spectrum. Yeah, and I love your um, integrative approach. It's getting better now, but it used to be very separate. So like dentists just looked at the mouth, um, the nutritionists just looked at the food, but now everyone's coming in and working together and that's where the good results are really coming in, which I love. Yes, that's and what about, what about size? So in terms of weight, but also a petite frame. So I read somewhere that like yeah. the smaller you are, the more at risk you are. And we know with sleep apnea, like if you're overweight, um, then you're more at risk for that as well. Yeah, so you know, you look at a very thin woman and you say, well, no, she's gotta be crazy. She can't have a sleep disorder. She's so thin. But we see so many women where they're thin, but their nose is thin. They have a narrowed nose they have a small palate, they have um, a large tongue. And I take a picture with my combi, my CAT scan, and they have a narrowed airway. They're a thin woman, but they really have a very narrowed airway. So you can't tell by someone's size. So remember, these thin women have insomnia. The men tend to be dead asleep. The men are exhausted. The women, their brains keep waking up. They have insomnia. The women have low blood pressure because their autonomics are out of balance. The men have high blood pressure. So the men tend to be heavy. The women can be very thin. So you will really get almost, this is a totally different diagnosis than we've seen in the past from sleep apnea. So don't think that if you're a woman that you're gonna fit into all the stereotypes of Joe the fat boy from Dickens. Don't think that you're gonna fit into the stereotype that we know from the past of who really has a sleep problem. As a thin woman, even as any shaped woman, you could still have a narrowed airway. And that's like we talked about Weston Price, like Kevin Boyd speaks about, Coricini. We're seeing changes in our faces now where most of us are narrowed. And in England, I gotta say, it's probably even more so than other parts because of different dietary things that have happened over the centuries. 
and particularly in the last 400 years, we're really seeing more narrowing and more changes in our faces. Yeah, there's the the UK is like um, known for like having bad teeth, and it is actually true. Um, so when you said that you're now monitoring more of the children, is that something that you can influence like when they're five, six, seven years old, or is it more what's determined at the moment of conception? Like, can we intervene? Can we start to change the facial structure or is it a bit too late once the, the child is um, quite grown? Well, I think it starts in, you know, in utero. So the mother has to get enough oxygen because then the baby will get enough oxygen. Whether the baby tends to have a small jaw in utero, when the baby comes out, we've got to make sure they can latch on, that they can breastfeed. So a lot of these kids are going to be tongue-tied. That has to be corrected at one day of age, two days of age. Almost at conception, the tongue tie gets released. In the United States, places like St. Barnabas, we have osteopaths working on the infant as they're delivered. Within the first day or two of life, the osteopath, the pediatric osteopath is working on the kids and on their cranium Amazing. to make adjustments. So that's really what could be done if we wanted to. And then um, good diet, hard foods, not soft foods. So baby-led weaning, we want to develop that arch. We want to make the kid more like a Neanderthal paleo. And then we want to start uh, intervening at as early as two and a half years of age in terms of arch development, guided growth appliances, and things like that. So because the brain is developing so rapidly for those first five or six years of life, that's the time we want to intervene orthodontically. So we're getting the pediatric dentist working. Some of the orthodontists are coming over to that way of thinking. And we're teaching the dentist to intervene two, three, four years of age before the brain is developed. Because if you get the child able to give enough room for the airway, the prefrontal cortex develops. You get better executive function skills, less anxiety, less depression. The kid does better neurobehaviorally. They get along with their schoolmates. And they do better cognitively. They're going to think better. They're going to focus better. They're going to perform better. And you get rid of things that we kind of label as ADD. A lot of that goes away when we can get a child breathing and breathing and sleeping through the night. Yeah, I think the, um, the breastfeeding piece is also very key. And I have a whole episode on that where we talk about the baby led weaning, like give your child a, um, a big chunk of meat to chew on, not just right. the purees fruits and things like that. Um, and are there any key nutrients that you think are um, important to be particularly aware of? Well, you know, we were, we're getting rid of caries. So, you know, caries, dental, dental decay caries, it didn't exist before agriculture, all the grains came in. So we're trying to do less with wheat, less with grains, less with bread. We're trying to have the child uh, chew more nutritive foods, more vegetables, low glycemic index, not so much sugar in the diet, not sugary drinks, not sugary foods, but trying to have a diet that you would want, that you would call nutritious for yourself in your 20s or 30s or 40s. This is the type of stuff you want to feed to your child. And then making sure, you know, in terms of supplements, I'll leave that to the uh, integrative type of pediatricians to, to, to supplement the children and what they may not be getting today versus what they're getting. Um, but I think that kind of is, is a basic summary. Yeah. And as soon as we hopped on this call, you were like, 
how are your braces doing today? You've immediately noticed them. I know it's hard not to, but what are your thoughts? Like, give me your professional advice because I had these fitted like about a year ago now. Um, and I'd had them when I was younger as well, like age 15, I think. But yeah. when I forgot my retainer whilst I was on holiday and then my teeth moved and then I just never, they just never fit again. So I kind of, I was like, oh, it'll be fine. But over the years, they went straight back to the the way that they looked prior. Right. Um, I looked into the Invisalign, so like the clear retainer one. And I was told that because of the shape of my jaw, I may get some pain associated. I'm not sure, but they advised that I get the the fully fitted ones. So yeah, let me know your thoughts. Like, don't be don't be afraid of scaring me or offending me. I know like right. some of the the bad things about them now. Yeah, yeah. So what we're literally looking for in an arch and a face like yours, we're trying to get arch development. So we're not really looking. We're not talking about tooth alignment. We're not talking about tooth alignment at all. We're really talking about trying to get your arch wider and trying to get your upper jaw, your upper teeth out. We're trying to make room so that your lower jaw can come more forward. But to do that, we have to get a fully developed upper arch. So the, the field of orthotropics, it's been popularized by John Mew and Mike Mew. It's not very popular in your country. Um, you know, they're looked at as, uh, you know, as the bad guys, but really they're on the right track in terms of arch development. So the Royal College and some very traditional orthodontists and most of the orthodontists in the United States still are not putting enough emphasis and looking at the airway and breathing. Unfortunately, they're still looking at tooth alignment a little bit too much. So I would say instead of having fixed braces on, you want to have something in your mouth, uh, a palatal expander, surgically facilitated perhaps, perhaps not, but something that's going to help you widen your arch and make enough room, get you like those Weston Price people before the industrialized diet came in. So you're really trying to get back to that paleo type of arch. And I'm just not sure with the mechanics and I can't really tell exactly what's going on. And well, I can see, but I think you may want to be open to some sort of more palatal expansion uh, and then wind up with your jaw coming forward. And hopefully, I mean, I don't know that it's a surgical approach or non-surgical approach, but I would probably get a couple of opinions. Yeah, because I was told that I have a narrow jaw and I had like five teeth removed when I was younger as well. So my teeth were very crowded. Yeah, so you want to talk to someone like Mike Mew up okay. in, uh, in England. Yeah. He would do a good consult and look at some of his YouTube videos, Dr. Okay. Michael Mew. And is there like a website for people in the US or worldwide or the UK to search for people who um, do similar work to you? Yeah, so you want to look at orthotropics.com orthotropics and you want to look at bill hang's website facefocus.com okay. and then if you look at people like barry Raphael, dwayne grummins derek mahoney rock rondo those are just some of the few people that are doing airway focus type of orthodontics airway friendly orthodontics airway centric orthodontics okay and i'll link to all of those things in the show notes for people to look into themselves as well um, but on my right, like I've gone past the time where I can do things dietary. So I can't really increase my vitamin K and get that nice arch. Is it a bit too late now for that? Yes, probably so to change the growth. But now we're going to rely on your tongue. So you want to retrain your tongue to be, you want to have your lips closed, tongue up to the palate, and nasal breathing. 
that's a really good start. And then something in your mouth that's gonna create more room and open up your nose as it opens up your palate. So whether you can do that without these tiny little implants in your arch to open it, whether you can just do it with expansion appliances, if you go slowly enough, you might be able to do that. You'll get different opinions upon uh, on that. And then how are you gonna bring your lower jaw forward? You know, in my practice, I'll keep your lower jaw forward at night. I might do with some device, but I want you to feel rested now. So if you didn't feel rested, I would put something in your nose at night to help dilate it. And I'd be working with an orthodontist at some point to be widening that palate. And I'd keep your lower jaw forward at night so that you stay with an open airway. And you've probably seen the more commercial things like the nasal strips to stop you snoring, um, the mouth tape by the company Somnifix. I've used them and they really helped. Like the nights that yeah. I used them, my sleep was much better. So that's maybe a sign that my breathing was a culprit behind that. Do you, are you a fan of those or are you a fan of the yeah, yeah, uh, big fan. professional so ones? Yeah, I love those. Those are great. We use mute nasal stents. The mutes are out of RhinoMed out of Australia. Okay. But you could use nasal cones. You could use breathe-right strips. Um, Barry Raphael has a whole great nasal flushing, nasal cleansing system, rinses, essential oils. All that stuff is fantastic. Neti pots. Mm -hmm. um, and, really getting the, um, and really getting the nose opened up at night. But the breathe-right strips are fine. I think what you're doing is great, and I think it will help a lot of the, your listeners if they can do that. Yeah, and someone who I follow on Instagram, um, Mike Mutzel of High Intensity Health. I don't know if you're familiar with his work, but he, yeah. um, a few months ago, posted a picture of his daughter while she was asleep with the mouth tape on, and ah. he got he got um, the, the, the post taken down because they thought it was like child abuse. <laughs> ah, interesting. Yeah. No, so taping... Taping is really is catching on now and it's quite good as long as you can breathe through your nose, mm. but you can train someone to breathe through their nose. Okay. So very often it's not the ENT. The ENT will work with the dentist because the top of the palate is the bottom of the nose. So if you can make this bone wider, it actually opens up the base of the nose mm -hmm. and that's a more organic integrated functional way to open up the nose as opposed to going in and trying to do septoplasty, correcting the deviated septum or shrinking the turbinates. And earlier you said that you should have your mouth closed and the tongue at the roof of the mouth. Yes. Um, I've read elsewhere or I've heard that having the tongue at the bottom of the mouth is better because that indicates that you're in a parasympathetic nervous system state. And well, the sympathetic, the your tongue would be elevated. Most, most people that I talk to, the tongue is in a meditative a yoga mm -hmm. position. So the proper rest oral posture that we advocate is the entire tongue to be the base of the tongue to be up on the palate, keeping it expanded, stimulating some of those receptors there, uh, but with your lips together, your teeth apart. So if you want your teeth, to, if you want your muscles to be relaxed and you wanna be in a Pilates yoga-like posture, it would be lips together, teeth apart, tongue up to the palate, nasal breathing, putting a string on the back of your head with the ears over the shoulders, over the hips, over the ankles, and with good core, good core strength and good core work um, that you would be repeating, you know, a few days a week at least. Absolutely. People don't think of anything like this, do they? They think, oh, if they go to the gym 
and they eat right, then they must be super healthy. But that's not always the case. These are more of the invisible stresses that people aren't aware of. Well, I wrote a book called Gas. When we say it's the hidden, it's the hidden cause of uh, a lot of problems. People don't realize that how you breathe day and night. So it's a day problem and a night problem. And so mm -hmm. we have to breathe correctly daytime and we have to breathe correctly when we're asleep. And what are your thoughts or what is, what is some advice for people who have had um, rhinoplasties? So they've had the, um, the bridge like narrowed or they have lip fillers so they physically can't close the lips anymore and things like cleft palates or deviated septums. Um, just give us some information on those types of things. Yeah, so I mean, look, we're always looking, we're trying to do things initially non-surgically if we can. So that's where some of these things, like if the nose, I say the nose is like a 500 square foot apartment in Greenwich Village. <laughs> even if I take all the furniture out, even if I take the turbinates out, I'm still in a 500 square flat. You would call it a flat. I'm in a 500 square foot, a small flat. I want to make the flat bigger. I want to make it a thousand square feet. So by expanding the palate, that's why your orthodontics is so important because it's going to open up the nose, but it's also going to give your tongue more room to be happy and to stay out of the airway. And so it's more integrative approach. That's why if the ENTs and the dentist would work closer together, we wouldn't do that. Sometimes your nose is your best asset. And what do we do? Because your upper jaw is back and your lower jaw is back, we want to make your nose smaller so it matches those other parts of your, because that came from these epigenetic things. Mm -hmm. The nose is really there. It got bigger. It's trying to increase the air and your mouth grew long like my face. It grew long because I grew up as a mouth breather. So we're trying to get people back on track of health to get them to grow more horizontally, more orthotropically, we're trying to grow the face around an airway instead of what other mm -hmm. happens is the, the face grows long because it has to give the mouth more volume. Yeah, and your face is like perfectly, you can tell it's just very healthy, very symmetrical, how it's actually should be designed, whereas mine is like very narrow in the bottom part. Um, so it's just interesting to see and I've seen before like a evolution, how things have changed both physically but on the face as well and with dental health. Yes, but yeah, I think you're, you're on the right track and working together, we can get the face back at any age. Remember at any age, the body's very resilient. So if you intervene to open the airway at any age, you're gonna see really tremendous uh, improvements in health and wellness. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna look into the, the practitioner that you recommended for when my braces have been removed. So I don't wanna be having them keep constantly going back to where, they, um, where they'd like and I want to be able to breathe correctly. So important. Good. What about things like um, root canals and um, teeth removal? So do you try and keep the teeth in as often as possible? We try to keep the, the teeth in. I mean, there's something that came out about, you know, root cause with taking out all root canal teeth because of the bacteria. So there's some groups, the IAOMT in the United States, uh, they're pretty strict about wanting to remove root canal teeth. I think we've got to take it on probably case by case basis. I think the Germans, some of their um, diagnostics are pretty good in terms of trying to figure out which teeth actually have bacteria, which are leading to systemic inflammation. 
So there are some teeth in there that have abscesses, furca involvements, and some of the root canals have to be redone or some of the teeth probably have to be taken out. But I'm not saying if we said that every tooth in North America or in England, the UK, we had to take out every tooth that was root canal, that might lead to a lot of other public health problems. So we know that people, as they lose more and more teeth, they have airway problems because the support, the teeth are in the mouth to support the airway. And as you've had teeth extracted, you lose teeth, you're born without teeth. Those people with like five or more missing teeth tend to have a higher preponderance of sleep apnea and airway issues. So we're trying to, if we were playing musical chairs and we took a chair out here and a chair out here, the circle gets smaller and smaller and smaller until there's not enough room for the tongue. So we're trying to go the opposite way. We don't use retractive headgear. We don't take out teeth. We expand. We, we call it non-retractive orthodontics, expansion orthodontics, anti-inflammatory orthodontics. And that's what we advocate. So I'm not for extracting all root canal teeth. I think you have to be taking inflammatory blood markers, study your inflammatory blood markers and see if you have um, inflammation. And if you can't find any other reason, there's an x-ray, an image that you can take called a comb beam CT. And that means you could take cuts through the, you can see if there's an abscess that might not show up in a regular dental x-ray. I advocate a lot of my patients to have, every one of my patients gets a CBCT in order to look for some of those occult or hidden infections. And so toxins, Lyme disease, P. gingivalis, some of the bacteria in your mouth can also get into the brain. So you hear about leaky gut? Well, there's the same thing as leaky brain. Our membranes, our junctions are not so healthy. So the microbiome, it's very important that the mouth, you keep the good bacteria, the high-risk pathogens, you want to do, try to minimize those, and the same thing in the gut. So a healthy microbiome is going to lead to brain health and heart health. And so we work with doctors uh, like Bale and Deneen, where we're identifying those bad actors, the harmful, the high-risk pathogens, and we're trying to work with hygienists and dental offices to minimize that bacteria. But, and that's the same thing goes true for root canal teeth there are some harmful bacteria that are hanging around old root canal teeth at the roots, and we want to be able to eliminate that. So we work with endodontists, surgeons, um, to try to minimize those bacteria. And what are your thoughts on um, how to keep your teeth nice and clean? Do you use fluoride? Um, do you have a particular brand of toothpaste that's readily available that you recommend? So we're not big fans of fluoride toothpaste because of the other harmful effects uh, that my friend Howie Hinden and IOMT have, have, have led me to understand. So we'll use toothpaste like Spry, things that have xylitol in them perhaps. Um, more natural types of toothpaste. There's some in the UK that are quite good. Um, some older brands that are, that are quite good. And so we want to use toothpaste that have more of an antioxidant type uh, properties in them. And so that's becoming a lot more uh, prevalent today. Not so much with sugar. We want to not use toothpaste that have sugar in them and things like that that might contribute to, you know, harboring bad bacteria. Mm -hmm. I use the brand Aloe Dents. I don't know if that's available in the US as well, but that's a really good fluoride free okay. one. It's got like CoQ10 in there as well and tea tree. So like antibacterial strengthening to the gums. 
um, which is so great. That, that's great. There's one called Revitin too that my friend Jerry Curatola has come out with, and that's another one to look at. So look okay. at Spry, Revitin. Yeah. There, there's a number in Aladdin. I'll look at that one too. Mm -hmm. And what about amalgam fillings? So the, the metal fillings, um, yeah. I don't think they're as used, like I don't think dentists use them as frequently as they used to, but people are still, they still have them in their mouth from like 20 years ago and they're develop, developing chronic fatigue syndrome, maybe thyroid autoimmunity, and there's no way that they'd connect them to what's in their mouth. Right, so that's been a controversial uh, area for many, many years. You know, we would say, you probably shouldn't be putting any more in the mouth. You know, once they come out of the mouth, they're considered toxic. They have to be put into, you know, special consideration. So when they're in the mouth, they consider them fine. But once they come out of the mouth, uh, they're considered toxic. So I think you got to be careful. Um, there's a smart way, S-M-A-R-T, smart certification from the IAOMT as to how they should be removed proper evacuation so that there's not a lot of uh, mercury vapor in the air. So the staff, the dentist, the assistant, the patient's not breathing in. So you can do the most harm sometimes as you're taking them out of the mouth. So the evacuation system, suction, rubber dams, uh, how it's disposed of. So there's certifications that certain dentists can get and other dentists are just aware and very careful of how they're taken out. And then when you're putting it back in, where should you be building the teeth to? Um, attention to the airway, attention to the TMJ. I think it all goes in together as part of, part of, uh, of an overall treatment plan. Yeah, you can't just go see your regular dentist and have them, 10 of them whipped out all at once, especially if your health and detoxification is compromised. It needs to be a whole yeah. process, sometimes even just doing one at a time just to gently yes. um, support the patient. Yes. Um, and I then do. before we finish up, one of the other issues that we were mentioning for hormonal imbalances. So you said more premenopausal women, women of reproductive years tend to have the upper airway resistance syndrome. But then you were saying how menopausal women tend to struggle with sleep apnea. So is that just due to maybe some increased weight that they have during that time? Or is it particular hormones that are involved in that increased risk? Right. So what happens is... Uh around menopause, women's weight, you know, they tend to put on more weight in their face and their stomachs. And it was different than that for women of childbearing age. And then also around menopause, the receptors in the tongue and the pharyngeal, the pharynx, they don't work as well. So the women get more like us, like guys, their receptors get blunted a little bit. And then they'll go from having this upper airway resistance syndrome more into having actual sleep apnea. They're not as protected after age 49, 50, 51, or after hysterectomy. And so they'll then go into actual apnea, whereas before they might've just had disrupted sleep or sleep fragmentation. Now they'll get drops in oxygen. Now they'll stop breathing for 10 seconds or longer because their the receptors are slightly blunted. So that's when you want to look, and that's when half my practice is coming in at 49, 50, 51. There's also estrogen receptors in the TM joints, so that's when the TMJ patients come in again. So it's really very likely that a woman who comes in around menopause, perimenopause, postmenopause, she's going to have both TMJ symptoms and sleep symptoms. And it's very, it's very hard to tell sometimes whether she's complaining more about what the sleep is doing to her immune system, 
and that's causing TMJ, or whether it's a Frank TMJ problem because of the change of the estrogen and how that affects the receptors over the temporomandibular joint. That's really interesting. I didn't know about the the estrogen connection. Oh yeah. Um, but I see a lot of my clients as well who tend to be in like the twenties and thirties struggle a lot with TMJ, and they do also have hormone imbalances, whether that's really high estrogen or low estrogen, low progesterone, very, very high stress. They see that direct correlation with stress and teeth clenching, jaw pain. Yeah. If you look closer, you'll see that the TMJ really starts in high school and college. So after puberty, 13, 14, and they come into me around 14, 15, 16. So a lot of my, half my patients are in uh, high school, college, and then a lot of them come into the workforce in their early 20s, there's a lot of stress, they're living away from home, they're not eating as well, they're not getting enough sleep. And so they'll come out with TMJ symptoms in the neck, and that'll be a lot of your young clients in the 20s and 30s, but then that's the estrogen post-puberty, and then the other big, big, big group will be around perimenopause and menopause. Hmm. Obviously, the more longer term things like the, the breathing and the, some of the devices that you use are recommended. But is there anything to do in the moment to help just re- relieve the pain, like any massages or tools that people can use? You know, s- massage, self-massage, stretching, stretching the muscles. Mm-hmm. So the stretch is the cure. So you want to be have your lips together, teeth apart. Breathing, just remembering not to clench during the day, keeping your teeth. So you swallow two to 3,000 times a day. Every time you swallow, your teeth touch momentarily. If you're not swallowing, your teeth should be apart. Your lips should be together. Your tongue should be on your palate. So if you just repeat lips together, teeth apart. Lips together, teeth apart, tongue up to the palate. And you want to lengthen you want to get your sternum up your belly in and just try to get and take some breaks and exercise more and do more stretching so i would work with a physio i would work with massage physical therapy and then start with uh you can try an over-the-counter if you want and then go see your dentist but remember probably about 50 to 75 percent 80 percent of the guards the night guards are actually closing the airway So I'll say that again. When we were taught in dental school, when we make a night guard, we were taught to push the jaw back. So that's still in the minds of a lot of dentists, the way we were taught in school. And some of us still use older techniques. And so be very careful about the guards that are being put in. If you're not getting better, you may want to consult a specialist who may use a little bit more of a corrective device. And we're kind of in the minority, but anything that opens the airway I would say is good. Anything that closes the airway. And I've been saying it's a Harvey Weinstein moment in dentistry. It's no longer okay. Sexual harassment, the Me Too movement, it's no longer okay to close the airway, whether it be with orthodontics, headgear, or a night guard. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And I learned just recently, there's a huge connection between the hips and the jaw as well. So people with really tight hips or vice versa. Um, So this is why like yoga poses can be really good. So like uh, pigeon pose, hip openers and yoga. So just an interesting piece there as well for people to try out. And I've noticed that too. Like when I start to get the tightness, I'll just go and do some stretches on the mat and it really improves. 
and also pelvic, the pelvic area, which yeah. I know you do a lot with PCOS, but mm -hmm. you know, the pelvic area is also very linked in with the temporalis, the TMJ, the cranial region and the pelvic region are very, uh, are linked together as well. Okay, so maybe that's why I'm seeing it so frequently with my clients because they yes. all have hormone imbalances. Yeah, makes sense. So just to finish up now, just a few more questions about you sure. personally. So the first one is, what's something that you do every day to stay in hormonal harmony? Well, I wear my bite plate at night. I wear my prosomnus sleep device when I sleep because I want to have an open airway um, while I'm sleeping and it, it helps me with clenching, but it allows me to wake up refreshed. One of the biggest things, and I just saw this, I was listening to Gundry who wrote the uh, longevity paradox. I'm now walking to work in the morning. Mm -hmm. so I'll take a two mile and the, it's amazing what that does to your microbiome. So exercise is the least expensive and really walking, whether you can walk, you can run, you can do ellipticals, you can row. But if you can get some exercise every day, or at least four or five days a week, that'll do more to combat dementia. It'll lengthen your life. It'll help you mentally. Um, it just makes your day go smoother. And you're breathing while you're exercising. So exercise, I can say enough about exercise. I think the probiotics are very important. You know, I would do your genetics. That's what I do. I've had my genetics tested to see if I'm APOE3, APOE4, and then get on the right diet with the right supplements. So I think you got to put all those pieces together and then have a good, be passionate about what you do in life. Just be happy and do something that you enjoy doing. If you put all those together, you know, the day goes pretty well. And I always say, if you could put the benefits of exercise into a pill bottle, it would be the best selling drug on the market because it is so amazing. Yeah. And especially if you get outside, I know that the air quality probably isn't great. And you're maybe thinking of that in the back of your mind whilst you're doing your nice, slow, deep breaths, but you get your vitamin D in the summer months and the circadian yeah. rhythm benefits. So I agree with that one. And walking is one of my favorites too. Well, the water is very good in New York, and I never even think about bad air quality in New York. So <laughs> it's better than a lot of cities. Yeah, true. And what's your go-to breakfast? My go-to breakfast, I'm actually trying to do intermittent fasting. So I'm trying to go until 11 or 12. I will have a cup of coffee, I admit to that. I can drink tea when I can, and then I'll go with the healthy salad then for lunch. But I like the Bulletproof. I love uh, coconut oil. I love making one of the, you know, uh, gluten-free shakes, dairy-free shakes in the morning. If I have and put some co flaxseed in, coconut oil, I think you also can't go wrong with that. Agreed. And those healthy fats, the fat-soluble vitamins. Good fats, avocados, yeah. good fats, uh, you know, caprylic acid and coconut mm -hmm. oil. That's all really good stuff. Yeah. Antimicrobial as well. So keeping your oral microbiome nice and in check. Yes. Um, What's something else that you're into lately? So it could be health related, it can be completely random, just something that you want to share. Well, we're doing more, I think, with tongue tie, mm. with releasing the tongue so that it can get up on the palate. And I think I'm more into the nose, I'm more into airway resistance than, than ever. And I would think it's this uh, con intermittent fasting concept, I think is a probably a good one. So. I think I need to go to a full fast every maybe once a week. I haven't done that yet, but I think I'm moving in that direction where I have to do more, you know, 
day long fasting. Um, and so it's going to be keep working on my diet. Um, for me, I'm working on my hip right now and getting that working better so I can do more aerobic exercise. But just walking has been pretty phenomenal uh, lately. And that's still, I mean, it's in the 50s here in New York today. So that's, that's pretty good. So mm -hmm. that's, those are the kinds of things I'm thinking about. But it's getting people to be, use that nose more. Yeah. And if you, you know, <laughs> I look at your narrow nostrils, I'm trying to use those aids every night. And that's mm -hmm. what I should be doing too, to try to get my nose, get me having a little bit more nasal patency. I think that's underlooked and that's so important. And I love that I've been all throughout this episode, like checking in, like, is my mouth closed? Are my teeth open? Is the tongue at the top of my mouth? So I love that. And I'll definitely take that Good. forward. And it takes, what, a few seconds and it can yes. really make a huge difference. Yeah. And just keep checking <laughs> it, keep going. Yeah. You know, and then there are lots of good books that are just coming out on myofunctional therapy. There's a lot more speech language pathologists getting into it. There's some people in dental offices that are being trained in myofunctional therapy. So wherever you are in the world, look for, uh, you know, speech language, someone who's trained in orofacial myology or myofunctional therapy. Perfect. So last question is where can people find more about you online? And if they're in and around the New York area, where's your clinic based? You know, we're right in the heart of Manhattan. We're right at 59th and Madison, but I have a website with all my blogs on it. It's drmichaelgeld.com. And then my other website is geldcenter.com. But if you want to read the blogs and some of the things we've written, um, that's a good place. I also want to mention the Foundation for Airway Health. So I've started a nonprofit with Howie Hinden, the Foundation for Airway Health. So that's airwayhealth.org. And that'll give parents a good place about their children. And then um, AAPMD, for the professionals out there that are listening to it, I really invite you to join. We have a lot of uh, international members. The AAPMD, American Academy of Physiological Medicine and Dentistry, uh, .org, that's another great group where we all sit as equals at the table. So whether it's the ENT, the therapist, the massage therapist, the physio, speech language pathologist, occupational therapist, we're all there at the table together as equals collaborating and we say collaboration cures and so we have a big meeting coming up in 2021 maybe in atlanta i think it's going to be with the american academy of oral systemic health aosh acam the alternative medicine physicians aapmd two physical therapy groups two orthodontic groups we hope to have about 1500 people there all starting and continuing the movement which is actually gaining steam now with everything that you're talking about so I invite everyone to come and I invite the public to join the, uh, take the airway pledge at the airwayhealth.org website. Great. And again, I'll link all of those things in the show notes. We have lots of health practitioners listening and mothers. So if you can start off with your children as young as possible, that's going to be really great. So and I'm, going, I'm going to this conference. Okay. Breathe and thrive. Breathe and thrive. It's a lot of uh, laser tethered oral tissues, laser therapy, phrenectomy, and that's going to be down in Delray Beach. That's going to be a really, uh, that's going to be a great seminar down there. So we're trying to integrate that group as well, who's really into early intervention for kids, but really intervening anytime to get the tissues, regain the tone of the tissues and regain the behavior, change behavior, breathing and regain function. Yeah, it's never too late. And I'm definitely going to implement some of the recommendations that you've suggested for me as well. 
Um, yes, and good. yeah, that's been really helpful. Thank you so much for your time, Dr. Gell. Um, and I'm looking forward to sharing this with the listeners. Great. It's been a pleasure. It's great to be with you, Vivian. Thanks so much for what you do. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Hormones in Harmony podcast. If you like this episode, please leave me a rating and review as this helps to spread the word to other women dealing with hormone imbalances. As a massive thank you gift, I'll send you a free guide, Six Steps to Hormonal Harmony. All you need to do is screenshot your rating and review, then email it to me at hormonesinharmony at gmail.com and I'll send you the link to download this free guide. If you haven't already, check out my website vivanaturalhealth.co.uk and Instagram page at vivanaturalhealth for tons more free content and inspiration. You can also schedule a free 30-minute hormone troubleshooting call to find out the next step to take in order to overcome your symptoms naturally. See you back here next week for another episode.